a playlist original. Coming soon. 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 Hey everyone, Jeff here from Films at Home. Thanks for coming back out to the Films at Home podcast today. Whether you're watching on YouTube or you're listening along on your favorite podcast app, I appreciate all the support. Today's episode is a really, really good one because we're talking to another one of my friends from the world of vinegar syndrome, and that is Justin LaLiberty. He is the director of operations for OCN Distribution, which is a sister company of vinegar syndrome, which handles all of their partner labels. And Justin also does some work for Vinegar Syndrome proper on the side, doing some art direction, doing special features production. So he's involved in all of it, but mostly involved in that partner label program, which is what we're going to dive into here. They have like 24 different labels at this point, I believe, and they include labels like AGFA, the American Genre Film Archive, which I love, XYZ Films, Culture Shock Releasing, uh, they just add an Umbrella Entertainment, Deaf Crocodile, so many terror vision was a part of that who we interviewed last week gunpowder and sky uh yellow veil like there's a ton of different partner uh, labels that justin works with and manages the distribution for so we'll talk about how that whole program works with vinegar syndrome i'll talk about some of his favorite pickups recently talk about the vinegar syndrome business and how they're remaining profitable when so many different major studios are telling us how hard that can be so we'll talk a little bit about the business side and also just discuss the work he does at vinegar syndrome with art direction and working on packaging of different releases and some special features which is always fun to chat with and justin's great you guys really like him I found out he actually grew up literally like five, 10 minutes away from where I just moved in New Hampshire. He lived in the town over from where I moved. So we had a connection there, which is really cool. And he's a really laid back, super knowledgeable guy who's done a lot in the world of cinema and movies and he knows his stuff. So you guys will really like him. So sit back, relax, enjoy the interview and I'll catch you guys at the end. All right, everyone, here's our interview with Justin from Vinegar Syndrome and OCN Distribution. Thank you for joining us today, Justin. Really appreciate this and appreciate you guys taking the time. It's uh, I'm, I'm fanboying out because I'm a huge Vinegar Syndrome fan. So I, having you, having Oscar, having some of the team members has been super cool. So, um, you know, could you just introduce yourself here to the audience, talk a little bit about your career, what you do with uh, in your current role and just give us that background? Yeah, uh, my name is Justin Liberty. I am the Director of Operations for OCN Distribution, so Vinegar Syndrome's sister company. I also do uh, some work at Vinegar Syndrome proper as well, producing supplements, working on you know, art direction, putting together the booklets that uh, come with releases. I had originally come into the company a few years ago uh, to be the archivist, and Oscar has since uh, kind of taken over that role. Um, which you know has been great and has allowed me to focus on other things. So that's really you know the gist of it is kind of you know I came in in a different role and then I sort of morphed into to doing a bunch of other things that I enjoy a lot. And my primary role is really kind of shepherding OCN distribution. Yeah. So for the for the audience, can you talk a little bit about like that the the difference there between what is OCN distribution and like that partner label program and what is, you know, vinegar syndrome proper, like you mentioned, because I think there's maybe when you go to vinegar syndrome.com, right, you get all of it, right. It's all together. So just talk about a little bit, the, the nuance there between the two. Yeah. So vinegar syndrome, you know, it's our 10th anniversary. We've been kind of touting that uh, vinegar syndrome has been around for a decade. So vinegar syndrome is its own, you know, kind of self-contained home video label. Um, it's also a film archive, you know, so mm -hmm. there's, we're preserving films, we're releasing films, restoring films, you know, it's all kind of under one system. And then the sister company, OCN Distribution, is a distribution company. So OCN Distribution doesn't, you know, release films in the way that Vinegar Syndrome does. Instead, we handle distribution for a bunch of other companies. So one of the common, I guess, kind of misconceptions is that, you know, the OCN, the partner labels are vinegar syndrome, but they aren't. Um, they are all actually their own entities. They are 
you know, curated by different people. They are, for all intents and purposes, their own home video companies run by people from outside of Vinegar Syndrome. Um, and yeah, that's that's really the gist of it. It's OCN is uh, a, a kind of this system that we developed as a home for labels that you know we really wanted to champion that we wanted to get their their films out there and i think they're all labels that are giving a home to films that otherwise could be you know kind of left by the wayside um and not really getting picked up by other companies and as you can see on a monthly basis uh, the the output is only growing so i think there are a lot of films that are being discovered by people you know either by people that have been here since the start or have come in very recently for, you know, kind of bigger vinegar syndrome titles, or there's people that are coming over solely because they're seeing, you know, one of these labels that they really like has either transitioned over to OCN from wherever they were before or has started at OCN and they're really interested in what they're doing. So it's really just this way to kind of build up this like harmonious ecosystem of just, films you know we all yeah. we all just love movies and you know with vinegar syndrome there's a very sort of specific kind of avenue and parameters set for the the films that vinegar syndrome releases and so with ocn it was really nice to kind of be able to bring out um films that we care about from a wide array of genres and countries of origins and years of production and things that might not necessarily gel with what vinegar syndrome does on a day-to-day basis so yeah, I think that kind of explains the the dichotomy. Yeah, no, it's a really, really cool program and a really cool sort of concept to have like the distribution, but then also bring it all sort of under this, this you know, the one website, which makes it easy for people to find things, which I think is important because, you know, you, you basically, you, you're using those Vinegar Syndrome resources to help the labels that you're partnering with to build up, which is great because I know how, how difficult that can be from talking to others who are starting small labels. Um, it's very difficult. It's a very difficult thing. And, and to get the exposure, um, it's really cool, really cool what you guys are doing. And uh, I mean, how many, how many are you up to now? Because I think I want to say I go way back with vinegar syndrome, probably to the very beginning. And I don't remember when America genre film archive is the one that I always kind of go after. I know that was one of the, I think that was one of the earlier partner labels, right? I remember buying from them. I was, I was the first one. Um, they were we the first. Okay. 20, yeah. We have 24 partner labels right now. Wow. And Crazy. There's more um, you know, there's, there won't be a new label launching in April, but we will be launching a new April and uh, not a new, we will be launching a new label in May. Um, so, and we just recently uh, had XYZ launch with us. So yeah, there's, there's only more coming, um, which is, you know, a great problem to have. Yeah, that was, I was going to, I thought they were the first because I remember I was so obsessed with the just wacky stuff that was coming out of AGFA that, I, that, that is what got me hooked on all the other partner labels. And I was like, okay, there's, there's levels to this. Like I thought Vinegar Syndrome was out there. Um, you know, wow, there's some really interesting stuff. So America's Genre Films one of been one of my, my favorites, but I've started checking out some of the the newer ones as well. And I saw you guys, you just sort of partnered with umbrella entertainment, which is I think really cool because they have some, they have some super interesting releases, but haven't always been like the easiest to get over here being that they're in Australia. So is that sort of the goal with that partnership was like to bring some more of what they're doing over to the, to the States, make it a little easier to get them in the hands of people out here. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've been um, like a disc collector for, you know, since the the late 90s when DVD first came out and importing has been something I've done for a very, very long time. Oh, yeah. It's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's fun. You know, going region free is like the best thing you can really do as a collector. But at the same time, it's not the most easiest um, to, to champion for access. You know, if you're trying to bring new people in to see these films and you want to have your films. If you are a distributor, you want your films as available as widely as they can be. So, you know, one of the things that we've been really trying to do is kind of hone in on different, you know, geographical regions. So, you know, we've Connie's got all these Asian films and Canadian internationals up in Canada. And now mm-hmm. you know, with umbrella, we can kind of really hone in on more Australian films. So it is really just a nice way to kind of take, you know, an already existing brand collectors know who umbrella is um you know 
and all around the world. It's not like people yeah. you know in Australia. Like people know them in the United States. They know them in Europe. They know them, you know, pretty much any country where people are buying discs. <laughs> they know who Umbrella is, and they're pretty synonymous with Australia. With you know, exploitation. You know, Australian comedies and dramas. Just kind of everything that's happening in Australia and Australian cinema and it has happened. You know, they're always kind of bringing out and restoring um, films that I've never even heard of and that we haven't really had available to us in the United States. So, yeah, that's really the, you know, the goal, not just with Umbrella, but kind of across the board is to be able to bring out films that otherwise haven't, you know, had home video releases here. Sometimes they're brand new movies. Sometimes they're, you know, movies from decades ago, but they're always, you know, we're always trying to kind of highlight, just like with Vinegar Syndrome, um, these films that have kind of been forgotten. Yeah, no, and it's super, super important because that that is the the fear. And we talked we talked with Oscar a little bit on the on his episode of just like the the idea that people think like lost films are from the you know oh the nineteen twenties and silent era, and it's like yeah, there's there's stuff that's being released today that's disappearing on a streaming service somewhere and never being there's stuff from the seventies, eighties, nineties, two thousands. I mean, every decade has these films that need to be preserved and properly released and i think that's a that's a really cool part of the partner program um is that expansion to to you guys are using some of your resources to help international and and smaller labels make sure that these films aren't lost to time and i appreciate that vision i always feel good when i buy something because i'm like okay this is going to people who are doing what i believe in i'm supporting a great business as a collector uh, which is a really, really nice part of what you're all doing. Right? Yeah, we we all appreciate it. Um, so I did want to talk. So you were the you were the former archivist before Oscar. So you know what did you start right in 2012? Like, did you start with them or more recently? No, more recently. I started um, a few years ago. I think it was it was 2019 that I came in. Okay. And I had come in. You know, I had prior to that I had worked for Alamo Drafthouse for a long time. Okay. Um, as a as a film programmer, and I came in from Alamo, leaving my programming position. I had gone to school for film preservation. I went to grad school um, for film preservation back in you know 2011. Um, so I had done that like a, a, even before Vinegar Syndrome existed. Mm-hmm. I had gone to school for film preservation, and after programming for a long time, I really just wanted to kind of get my hands dirty with film again, like holding film. I had been a projectionist for a long time too. So I really just wanted to get back into an archive, you know, holding film, working on film, saving film, you know, just really kind of having that tactile experience. And I had known vinegar syndrome. I had been getting the releases for years. I had become friendly with some of the people that worked for the company just through film programming. And I was writing on the side. So I had been doing all kinds of different things and I had come to know them. I was in New York, we were in Connecticut. So it was very easy to kind of, you know, stop by and, you know, I had come to the building before and then, yeah, just one thing led to another. I came on as an archivist and just helped really kind of bring like a, a, you know, an element of organization to what the archive had been up until that point. So really just kind of establishing, you know, new procedures and new means of storage and building an actual, you know, functioning like digital database where we can see what we have and where they're located and, you know, what condition (laughs) certain things are in, you know, kind of establishing that sort of archival structure that, when you think of what an archive is, you think of it being, you know, elements being findable, whether that's, you know, a, a public library or you right. know, library, you know, the vaults at Library of Congress, like whatever you kind of envision an archive being, there's almost always going to be, you know, an element of discovery to it. Like that's the kind of thing. Like you go into a library and you're going to ask a librarian where something is and they're going to know where it is. at least know where it's supposed to be um, because there has been a system, you know, developed for that, that space and for the materials that live in that space. So when I came into vinegar syndrome, that was really my task was how do we take, you know, this expansive room with this, you know, absolutely like priceless collection that, 
there's no other mirror of in the world. Um, you know, it's full of, ab- you know, completely unique objects, you know, some prints, but for the most part, it's, it's a room of unique objects and you need to be able to find all of those objects. So how do you do that? Um, and that was, you know, that was my job. It was to come in and figure that out. Yeah. I w- that was where I was going to go with that question. So I was, I was going to ask sort of like, what did it look like? you know, before, because I, I mean, in how many films were even in the arc? Cause I think Oscar just meant, he, he said, you just did a big program of like 20,000 um, different films put into the archive over the last few years. So like, was it, was it a much smaller thing that they were still trying to work on and you, you had to organize? Did they have a lot of stuff just sitting around that needed to be put in the right place? Like sort of how, how did that all look when you walked in? Um, I mean, it's hard to really like quantify because you know the going into a room like that as an archivist um, and as someone you know who had been around film or had been in various different archives throughout the years, you go in and like what you're looking for or what you immediately like your first impression isn't like oh shit, there's so much film in here. You're just like, <laughs> you you become like eagle-eyed. So you just walk through and you just like see titles. Yeah. Or you like, you know, you see like certain sizes of things. Like you just kind of, you become very object focused. And that's how I've always entered archives now. You know, whether I'm in, you know, MoMA or Library of Congress or, you know, wherever you are, it's, you kind of get this like radar and you're just like, rather than looking at everything as a whole, you start looking at like, specific shelves and specific film cans and you know it's really hard to kind of take it in as like one large expansive thing because you're so focused on kind of the granular pieces and that's how I've always approached archiving in general is you know there's there is a big picture and there will always be a big picture but that big picture is so overwhelming that you know it's like it's so much easier and also just more enjoyable to kind of go at things incrementally so my first you know my first experience with the vinegar syndrome archive wasn't like oh my god like what am i gonna do it was more like (laughs) holy shit look at what's here on that shelf i can't wait to open that up and look at it or you know even if it wasn't things i recognized it was what's always been more interesting to me as an archivist is what i don't recognize it's going oh, there's a box that has no writing on it. What could possibly be in there? (laughs) You know, it's things like that where it's, or you find like an unmarked reel or you Mm. get to cobble together things. You know, you'll find on one shelf, there's three reels of this camera negative. Well, where are the other two or three reels? And then you're just waiting. And like months later, it's like, oh, I found the other two or three reels. Now we have a complete camera negative for this movie. So that's always been kind of the pleasure to me um, as an archivist is like completing elements, um, mm. you know, discovering things that I didn't know what they were, you know, talk about lost films. You know, one of the ways that we find lost films now is by archivists just going, what is this thing that's in my possession that I've never heard of? Can you wind through it? You scan it, you watch it, you start doing research and you're like, Oh wait, this movie never came out or it came out and nobody's seen it in 50 years because we thought it was lost. So that's, you know, to me, that's, that's always the, been the, that kind of highlight of being an archivist is seeing things you didn't know existed while at the same time, also being as close to the original source of the films you love. Um, mm. And I think both of those kind of go hand in hand. Um, and that was, you know, for me, that was going into the vinegar syndrome archive was going on the one hand, there's all these films that I love that I get to handle their negatives. And then on the other hand, there's all of these things that I have absolutely no idea what they are. And I can't wait to find out what that is. So I wasn't going like, how many tens of thousands of reels are in here? Because if I thought that way, I'd be totally overwhelmed and would never be able to like, you know, yeah. do my job because I'd just be like, I'm never going to get this done. You know, there's just so, so many uh, reels of film, but instead it's going, wow, this, this thing I'm working on right now is amazing. And I'm going to take as good of care as I can of this thing. I'm going to make it, you know, I'm going to prepare it. I'm going to make it, you know, as conserved as possible. I'm going to make it scannable. We're going to maybe scan it and look at it. You know, we're going to work on this thing. And then 
you know, two hours later, I might be working on something else. The next day I might be working on something else, but always just kind of going through it. Like, you know, once that, once the structure was established and like shelves were numbered and we knew, you know, what that system was for where things go and how we find them. That's where I went. It's just like, you know, object by object. Yeah, no, it makes sense. And it's, it's like the, uh, you made me think while you're saying like just walking through and just looking at titles it's like the ultimate video rental store experience where there's just like everything that that all these different things some you haven't heard of some you have uh i mean just must have been incredible um to just to walk through i mean did you discover anything that was unmarked that ended up coming out or that you put together that you were really you know proud of finding in there or any favorites that stand out I mean, I didn't find it. It had been found before it had, yeah, I got there. Fair. Like shortly before I got there. But when I first went in, you know, I noticed there were all these cans, like stacked cans. And, you know, if, you, if you've ever seen, like, an uncut film, like, a, you know, because with a, in a camera negative, typically you're looking at something that's five or six reels, you know, seven reels, depending on the runtime of the film. And that's what you're looking at. That's what we scan for a Blu-ray is, you know, anywhere between like, we'll say five and seven reels is your typical camera negative for a feature film. That's, you know, somewhere between 90 minutes and two hours or so. But when you have an uncut negative, which means it's camera rolls, it could be dozens and dozens of cans. And so I started noticing there were all these cans of a movie titled New York Ninja. And then of course, you know, now everybody knows what New York Ninja is, but I, you know, I didn't discover that. That had been discovered before I got there and I just had never heard of it. I mean, nobody had really ever heard of it. And then, you know, it became a project that we we worked on and got released. But I think that's, you know, that's probably the, the most exciting um, discovery, I think, that has come out of the archive in my time. Awesome. So with the with the partner labels, how do they handle their elements? Are they sending things into the to the Vinegar Syndrome archive? They're they're maintaining it on their own. No, they do everything on their own. So that's that's you know kind of the the thing with the the partner labels that we want to try and you know kind of get across as as much as possible too is that they are doing this work. You know, it's yeah. you know, we want to give credit where credit is due. Like they're they're getting the work done. You know, every once in a while we'll help out with certain things, whether it's, you know, creating extras or helping, you know, commission artwork or something like that. But the vast majority of the time, these companies are, you know, they're going and getting, you know, element, they're finding elements, they're getting them scanned, they're getting restorations done, they're producing their supplements, they're commissioning their own art, you know, they're doing it all. And then I handle the logistics, I handle scheduling and manufacturing and sales, wholesale, you know, things mm-hmm. like that. So I'm taking in their work. And then my job is to get it out there and sell it and, you know, things like that. So that's sort of, I'm, I'm glad you went towards the sales thing because it sort of begs this question. Every, everybody asks me this question and I'm personally, I'm sort of curious too, but in a world where you have, you know, a, a Disney or a Paramount Warner Brothers, who you'd think, you know, I just imagine in this world, unlimited resources, right? Like they, they are top. They're telling people, hey, you know, this physical media thing, this isn't profitable. We can't do this. We can't put these releases out there. How, how is it that you guys are able to take something that is so obscure and have it make business sense or maybe sometimes it doesn't and you do it for the preservation i mean i'm just that's what everybody always asks me is man how does vinegar syndrome or how does how do their partner labels america's genre film how do they get this stuff out on disc with all the costs and have it makes like and it's profitable and they continue to do it because we we hear all the time that physical media just isn't isn't profitable it's not what it is and there's you know movies that are sitting in major studio vaults that were like, come on, we want this. People would buy this. Why are you saying it's not going to be profitable? I'm just so curious, like how you guys approach it differently. Um, that makes it work. I mean, our standards are different. You know, it's our standards. You know, I, I, I say that, but to clarify, our, our standards are very high. <laughs> you know, it's our yeah. standards are very high in the, you know, in, in our, our product, but our standards are also different in terms of, you know, what profitable means and what, 
you're trying to attain. You know, you look at someone like Disney and they're going, hey, we're going to open up this Marvel movie and we're going to make a fucking hundred million dollars in one weekend. Why would we care about making 5,000 Blu-rays of this movie from like 1993 that nobody cares about now? Nobody, you know, like, right. I'm just going to go, why are we chasing this when we're in production? You know, we have multiple hundred something million dollar movies in production. We're doing, you know, four or 5,000 theater screen releases. You know, they're like, what does that mean to them? You know, it's not, it's just kind of antithetical to operating um, a studio like that in this day and age, you know, they're going, we have Disney plus, you know, we have these massive, massive movies that in one week are going to make more than physical media would make for us probably in a year. Right. Like, you know, it's just, it's just not their business model anymore. You know, and it, it makes sense. It's, we're talking about these companies that have, you know, multiple, multiple, multiple revenue streams, whether yeah. that's merchandise, amusement parks, TV, streaming, you know, all they have their fingers in like everything. So when they start looking at, you know, the bigger picture for them and they go, what do we not need to be doing? You know, what do we not need to spend money on higher staff for, you know, what is something we can cut out? You know, that it's kind of clear where they're going, you know, what they're deciding gets the X. You know, mm-hmm. of course, they're still doing, you know, Warner Brothers is always going to do, or at least always, you know, maybe not always, but for the foreseeable future, do home video for, you know, DC movies. Disney's going to do them for Star sure. Wars and, you know, Pixar movies, like things like that are, they're going to, it's kind of evergreen. Like we're not at a point yeah. where we're not going to get, you know, the next Avengers movie on a 4k UHD, but it's the back catalogs that are being neglected. And we're starting to see, you know, more license deals happening. You know, we're seeing different labels establish different agreements with different major studios and studios that have not always, you know, been eager to work with um, outside companies. So I think, you know, there, there are like some, some changes happening, which is good, but at the same time, you know, it's, I think it's all about what you're looking for. You know, mm-hmm. if you're looking into home video as like a, a get rich scheme, it's probably not, you know, what, what you should change your occupation to be. But if you care about, you know, this stuff coming out and doing it well and building an audience, you know, it's something that can be done. And there's clearly a very passionate fan base out there and there are equally passionate people behind the scenes doing it. And, you know, this this whole ecosystem of all these different labels, like, People know each other, you know, it's, it's not, it's not as big as it seems. I think it seems big just because there's so many labels now. Yeah. But a lot of labels, I mean, your, your staff can be a staff of one. It can be a staff right. of or three or four, you know, it's a lot of these staffs are really small and then some have crossover, you know, there's different people who might be working for different companies, especially when you start getting into like special features or something like you buy discs from different labels you start seeing the same names on things. So, it yeah. is a very, you know, it's, it's a very like insular industry where mm. there's a lot of the same people kind of working on the same things, chasing, you know, the maybe chasing the same films, chasing the same demographic, but luckily there's enough to go around. You know, I work for a company, but I also support every other company. You know, I right. buy discs from everybody. And I think that goes for pretty much everybody in this industry. I can't think of anyone, you know, I know that works in home video that isn't buying discs from every single company. Yeah. Everyone I've talked to is, is, is definitely like, <laughs> you know, Hey, I loved this release. So like, just cause I work for these guys doesn't mean I'm not supporting the industry as a whole. Cause we are all sort of, everybody's sort of in it together. And, you know, I think this is, this is what I've been seeing and I'm curious if you're seeing the same thing, but I I do see it sort of consolidating down even from the major players where the, like you said, like Disney does not care about the back catalog. That's going to sell 10,000 discs, but for a smaller label that specializes in physical media, it can do a really good job with it. Selling 10,000 discs would be a really big deal if they can get the license. So do you see you sort of mentioned it, but you see that sort of where things are moving is that the, the bigger players are going to say, let's 
let's give this stuff to the people who specialize in this because we don't have those departments anymore. Maybe, you know, it's, it kind of remains to be seen. It's all very, you know, it's like home video is not in its infancy and it's been around for, you know, quite a long time, but I feel like we're at this, we're at this point in the industry where, you know, I hesitate to say it's like a, you know, it's kind of like a golden age or something. Like it's, Mm -hmm. we're at this point in time where these things are coming out that like, I never in my life thought I would see, you know, like comprehensive collections for like Andy Milligan or Al Adamson or, you know, like Arrow just put out a Lucas Moodyson box. It's like all of these things are happening that, you know, and of course the things we're doing, but, you know, without being self-promotional, <laughs> yep. I'm seeing all of these companies just like turn over stone after stone after stone of go- and not only just bring the films out, but they're just, you know, doing everything for them. Like the packaging is great. You know, there's like literary components, The you know, every disc is like packed with features. So we're seeing things happen right now that like we haven't really seen happen before. You know, DVD was so big and then Blu-ray was pretty big and now UHD is happening. But there's definitely, you know, less people buying discs than there were in like the early 2000s. Um, So I think it's it's a very interesting time because while we have a less of a footprint with consumers, the people who are buying things are much more willing to buy things at a higher price point. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like we're going, you know, I don't want to say we're going backwards, because we're not, but it almost mirrors to me more like the market for Laserdisc. Yeah. Where when we had, you know, Laserdisc was existing in tandem with VHS and kind of bridged that gap between VHS and DVD. Laserdisc collectors were people who were like, okay, I'm going to drop $200 on a Laserdisc for, you know, Terminator 2 and like a, a crazy box. And right now we're kind of seeing things like that happen where, you know, we're buying these lavish editions for like $100 of, you know, especially for us in the United States, if we're importing some of these crazy packages out of Europe or out of the UK, you know, we're dropping $100 on a movie or you have some of these box sets or $200, maybe even more. And I think you're starting to see that, you know, there might be less people buying discs on a weekly basis, but those who are, if it's like a few thousand people, they're spending a lot more money. And I think we're we're starting to see that that's a viable structure that we can have this thing we're doing and know that there's like a premium market for it. And I think that's really important. I think it's a really important distinction because if you look at, you know, say the 2000s or 2010s, and, you know, discs are, you know, up here and then maybe here they're like, you know, somewhere around here. But a lot of those discs up here, you're looking at people buying discs out of the $5 bins at Walmart and Best Buy. You know, it's yeah. people rebuying these things that, you know, they had on DVD um, or they had on VHS and they're just getting them, you know, because it's $5 and, you know, they're buying like that $5 release of like Billy Madison to replace their worn out VHS tape and things mm-hmm. like that. So, Right now, we're in a very different place, I think, in the industry. And I think it's really good. You know, if the major studios are seeing that and going, hey, we can license, you know, X movie and license it for this much money because they're going to sell it, you know, for this much money, you know, maybe that's good. You know, maybe that that we're at that place now where people are seeing that, you know, there's a different type of consumer being attracted to their titles. Um, but you know, that's all speculation. Like, I don't really know, you know, what, what goes through the minds of anybody at a, at a major studio. Um, I just know that we're seeing a lot more of these films get licensed and we're yeah. seeing a lot more of them, you know, subsequently get released. And I think it's a really, really exciting time for home video just across the board. Yeah. I think in, in talking to people from those, the, in brief talks that I've had, a couple people have been on the the podcast, or I just talk to others. I mean, there's definitely, there's at least the mentality in the home entertainment department's physical side that you have to cater towards the collector. Like I talked to, to Todd Sokolov who works at Paramount and like Paramount presents that whole line is, is, you know, not by accident. That is because they realized this is how we have to do this. These need to be higher level releases. We can't just put something out. And it's a, it's a really good point. I'd love to look at they put out the sales data right every week i go to media play news and i look at it and i'm like yeah okay it's you know 
of course, it's down 20%, 10%, whatever. It changes week by week, like based on what came out. Cause it's not, it's not a perfect year over year because yeah, the week that Top Gun Maverick came out this year is going to be a really poor week next year. If something doesn't match that. Mm-hmm. So like, yes, they're not matching up, but I even look at it and I go, I, I would love to look at that. And I would love for them to remove the big six studios out of that and say, what are the sales like? Because of course, like it was driven, this whole industry was driven by people buying a hundred million copies of the matrix on DVD or the lion King on VHS. And like, that's not happening anymore, but it still feels super healthy. So yeah, the numbers aren't massive, but it does feel like for those that are specializing in this, that they're doing pretty well. Otherwise we wouldn't be seeing all of these releases continue to come out. Like it's working for the right group of people. It's a niche thing for sure, but it is like you said, a totally different buyer. Like people aren't just, people aren't just going to Best Buy and just picking up discs anymore. Like that's just not, I mean, they don't even have discs anymore in a lot of Best Buys. It's just not how it works. It's a totally different mindset. Um, I think it's also just, it's a lot more democratic now too. Like, you know, back in when I had a DVD player, like in the late nineties, or even, you know, going into the early 2000s, if I wanted to buy a movie, you know, was, I went to Best Buy. I went to yeah. Circuit City. I went to Suncoast. You know, I went to these stores, FYE. Mm-hmm. But now it's, you know, the vast majority of what I buy, and I'm not even talking about Amazon, although Amazon, you know, has to be a major player in how people are getting stuff. But yeah. even without Amazon, you know, I'm, I'm buying discs from Diabolic, Orbit. Mm-hmm. I'm buying directly from labels, websites, Um, So it's, I think there's just like this democratized kind of approach to how we get things. And I think that helps a lot. Like, you know, now labels, like a new label starts, like they can have a website and sell direct to consumer. They can piggyback off of, you know, some of these retailers like e-commerce platforms that have, you know, established themselves as like a home for this type of material. Like if you start a new label right now, you can easily go, to a place like, you know, Diabolic or Orbit, Grindhouse Video, like there's all these different places that you can go and have sell what you're, what you're doing that we didn't really have. And, you know, outside of like mail order catalogs or some smaller um, channels online in the late nineties, we didn't really have that. So mm-hmm. I think right now it's, it's an easier time to start a label and it's an easier time to like have a label and be able to reach the audience that you want to reach. And you can often do that, you know, on your own, but having help there too, I think is, is really, really important and not being tethered to major retailers. Um, having, you know, if, if you wanted to get your movie out in like the late nineties, early two thousands, and you had to go through like Best Buy or Circuit City or Walmart or something like that can't have been easy. So yeah. I have to imagine that right now it's just like a much healthier you know, kind of lifespan or life cycle, I guess, for True. getting a movie out, having it exist in the marketplace. And then, you know, at some point it, it will go out of print. But I think having something out there, there's just, you're not dealing with that whole thing where like you got a movie into Best Buy, you got a movie into Suncoast or something. And then like two weeks later, it's off the shelf. Yeah. You know, until for the next big thing to come out. Now it's, you know, the shelves are online and you can right. just kind of keep, getting people to come in and, and pick up copies of it. Well, and it helps with the, and that helps with the profitability side too, to go direct, not having to share your cut with target Walmart, Best Buy, <laughs> circuit city, who actually, I think circuit city might've been where I bought <laughs> most of our DVDs back in the day. I we were in, I, did you, we were in there all the time. My dad was an IT guy. I swear I was in circuit city every weekend, more than Best Buy or anywhere else. That was where we were at. So I have fond memories of Circuit City. Yeah, um, I worked. Uh, I did like home theater installs. Yep, they used to. Yeah, they used to have a huge. They used to blow me away when I went as a kid. I was like, "What are we doing? We don't have this stuff at home. This stuff's un- unbelievable." But at the time, it was like, God, it was like ten thousand dollars for you know the high end stuff it was crazy. But yeah, it's a, it's a good it's a good point. The director consumer thing, I think, is super powerful. I mean, you see even. You see even Universal doing it. I mean, they open up, they kind of, it's it's weird how they did it because they kind of hide behind this groove.com like yeah, website, yeah. but like, but like it's Universal and Warner Studio yeah, Distribution Warner. Services, whatever that group is, it's like they're doing the same thing because yeah, they're seeing the same thing. They're like, there's no need for us to go to Target. Our buyers are online. Our buyers are more specific. We can hit those people online without needing to have everything in stores and 
seems like it's been successful for them too. So I, I think it, and that makes a ton of sense. I never thought about it in that way. Just like how hard it would even be to get somebody to buy your movie in 1995, unless you were one of the big six major studios and had a huge marketing, you know, and distribution team behind you. Huh? Yeah. You, you opened my mind a little bit today. See, I, I, I never thought about it in that context, but that's very interesting. Um, I, I did want to ask too, we talked, you talked a little bit about like, as, as we're talking collectors and like, you know, the, the packaging and everything, you talked about the art direction you're doing, some of that work with vinegar syndrome. So what does that sort of, what does that entail? I mean, are you getting involved in the, the design of the packaging? Because I think anybody knows who's bought from any of the labels. That is some of the coolest, the, the golden era documentary that just came out about GoldenEye with that Nintendo 64. I mean, that's one of the coolest <laughs> releases well, that I've, I've seen. So yeah, like the partner labels, the majority of the partner labels do their own thing. They do all so their they, own stuff. Yeah, they do their own thing. There's some like, you know, I'll help get some slip covers made, things like that. But yeah, on the vinegar syndrome side, I'll do some art direction. Um, to be clear, I don't have any design experience at all. <laughs> like in my in my body, I have like no artistic um, skills. But what I what I do is I approach it from you know just being fan of the films right. and saying like hey this is you know kind of what I want this to look like so you know Showgirls is one that I worked on and like I'll work you know with the the artists and say hey this is you know this is this is the film we're working on this is kind of what I'm looking to have this you know look like these are the elements I want you know, in this piece and then let them, you know, kind of run with it and do their spin on it. You know, sometimes with certain films, we have restrictions, whether it's, you know, you can't use certain actors or actresses or, you know, there's certain types of things you can't put on there or there might be things that you have to have on there. So it really yeah. just depends on the project. Um, everything is so, you know, like just determined by that particular title. Um, but yeah, it's something that I've always really liked. You know, I always, I think like any home video collector, like I've always gravitated towards attractive packaging and <laughs> yep. deluxe packaging. And it's something even as, as you know, someone right now that's a collector, I still, you know, if there's a, a version with, you know, that's more expensive that just, you know, comes with something extra, I'm going to buy that version. So I always want to kind of deliver on that. Um, and, you know, it's, it's the kind of thing where it's impossible to please everyone. You know, there's the people who want everything to kind of look like it looked like when it came out, you know, 20, yeah. 30, 40 years ago. Then there's people who want it to look nothing like that. And then, you know, that's really, it's, it's kind of a delicate balancing act of trying to be, you know, true to the spirit of the film and also just offer something really cool and unique. And some people love it and some people don't. And, you know, it's just one of those things where you kind of just, you do the best you can and you hope that you did right by the film and the filmmakers. And I think, you know, for the most part, I think, I think vinegar syndrome is known for, you know, attractive packaging, quality yeah. packaging. Um, and I think, you know, that we, we all do a really good job at it. Yeah, no, it, it definitely, it shines through and you can see that. Oh, okay. There are people who people working on this, whether it is the artist or somebody doing just, you know, giving the art direction or, no matter who, like they have an appreciation for not only the movie, but the home video version of this in that collector mindset, which is, I think, you know, what sets Vinegar Syndrome and, and other boutique labels apart from the big time mainstream sort of, it, it's a lot of their stuff is boring. A lot of times, to be honest, it's very boring. It's very generic. And, you know, we'll, we'll buy them because, we like movies and we want them in a physical format and the best presentation, but I don't get the same feeling going to the store and buying the latest, you know, whatever Disney Warner Paramount new release that I get having that vinegar syndrome box show up or the box from arrow or shout factory or keynote. Like it's, there's a different vibe there and it definitely shines through that you guys are doing that. So I, I appreciate it and hopefully you keep it up. I definitely like the artwork, so I don't know what anybody else said. I haven't had one yet that I've been like, oh, you know, that's kind of rough. There's been some really unique stuff. Um, I got the scary of 61st Avenue the other day, and that yeah, was super, yeah, super. I was like, this is just, you know, unique. Like, you just don't get that from from anywhere else. So 
I definitely appreciate it. And that a big shout out to you if that was one you worked on, because that one came out really cool. Yeah, I mean, a lot of, you know, a lot of it also just completely comes down to the artists we work with. And we really, you know, just like the films we pick and, you know, what people we work with on our supplements, like we just are really careful about, you know, who we mm. work with and who we partner with on things. And we just really, you know, we like the artists we work with. We always, you know, hire artists that we think fit with the particular film that we know are going to do a really good job. And I think, you know, everybody we work with really nails it. Oh, for sure. So yeah, you, so you also do, you, you get into some of the special features production. I mean, are you doing like the, the interviews themselves? Are you, are you lining up getting archival stuff or are you just working on some of the back end? How do, how do you get involved there on that side? Um, it depends. You know, I, I have conducted interviews most of the time. I'm really just doing more like uh, planning or logistics Mm-hmm. Recently, I've been, you know, hiring uh, people to do interviews on certain films. And I'll like write the questions for the interviews. It really just, yeah, it's definitely project by project. Um, I do a lot of production with the, um, the like Hong Kong releases. Okay. So Hong Kong, Mexico, you know, kind of more of the international stuff. The VSP releases like Scary of 61st, um, Censor. You know, the, those are ones that I worked heavily on. Sensor is so good. Yeah, I really like it. <laughs> so, so good. I always recommend that one to people. So, yeah. So, I mean, what, you got anything exciting coming up that we can, uh, anything you wanted to tease? We don't have to drop any names, but anything you wanted to tease at all with partner labels? You mentioned you got a new one coming in what, uh, May? Yeah, we have a new label coming in May, and then we'll, we should have a couple more this year. Um, so, you know, those will happen when they happen. <laughs> but in yeah. May, there, there is definitely a new one, May 1st. Um, it's, I can't, you know, say who it is or what the mm-hmm. film is, but I will say that it's a film I've been dying to work on. It's a film that I have wanted to have come out on Blu-ray for a very, very long time. Um, and it's a disc we've been working on for over a year. So I'm extremely excited for May 1st for that film to be announced and for that label to be a part of what we're doing with OCN. It's a company that, you know, I, I really admire. I have admired for a long time, both in, you know, what they've been doing theatrically and with other things that, you know, they've kind of had their hands on. So people will see it when, when it's announced on May 1st. Um, I think it's, it's a movie that, you know, has a reputation. I think that certain people who see that it's happening are going to be extremely, extremely excited and other people are going to feed off of that excitement and take a chance on it and be really rewarded. So I'm very excited. Um, that's my, I guess, big tease, but you have to wait for a month. Um, that's we okay. have 16 new releases this Saturday, April 1st. I don't know when this people are going to be listening to this, but yeah. Uh, probably Friday, probably the day before. So this is a good time to tease. Yeah, so April 1st, yeah, it's it's not a, an April Fool's Day joke, but we will have 16 partner label releases, which is nice. quite a few. Um, it's, yeah. it's quite a it's, few. So, it's yeah. crazy to even think about that that's even, you know, like you, that's golden era stuff. Like, yeah. hey, April, you know, April 1st, if you said, hey, we have four new partner label releases, I'd be like, this is great. We're getting so much. You have 16. It's, 16. it's insane. And that's yeah. with that, you know, and then there's the vinegar syndrome stuff on top of that. So it's going to be... April 1st is going to be a huge release day for us. There's um, some really, really incredible titles um, on the partner side this month. I can't, you know, I can't say what anything is, but... No, nope, don't spoil I think, it. You know, it's <laughs> 16 releases. So, you know, that's, we have 24 labels. <laughs> so, you know, there's most of, the vast majority of the labels are uh, represented this month. So there's really going to be like something for every person. Any collectors awesome. that find something they want. Awesome. And that'll all just be, it'll be available on the, the vinegar syndrome site and. Yep. Yep. So just Perfect. Normal, you know, noon, 12.01 PM on April fool's day. It's a Saturday. So like, yeah, you know, people shouldn't be at work or anything. Hopefully they aren't. Um, and no jokes. You promise no jokes. This is all real stuff that's coming on April 1st. 100% real. There's 16 releases. <laughs> They're great. I think, you know, people are going to be really excited. They, you know, there'll be stuff that sells out pretty quickly. So I always recommend people, you know, get on the site more sooner than later. Um, oh yeah. You know, it's, 
as people have probably seen recently, there's going to always be quite a few of the uh, the partner releases will have only a thousand slipcovers. Yep. So if there's anything you want that has that, you know, thousand number on it, highly recommend, you know, doing that more sooner than later because we have been seeing some sell out, you know, same day or the next day. Yeah, the GoldenEye one sold out, I think, if I remember correctly. I I, <laughs> I had people asking. I, I tweeted it out and I, or put it in one of my videos and people are like, Oh, I need that. And I'm like, you're, you're already too late. Yeah. These things go, there's a passionate, passionate group of people out there, especially, especially for golden. I forget it. I mean, there's a whole generation of passionate fans of that. So yeah, yeah it, it is crazy. They it. go fast. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. You know, it's, there's that's, I think that speaks to the collector market. Is that, oh yeah. You know, people really want this stuff. And then of course, you know, there's, if you want it after you can always go to eBay, but, who wants to do that when, when no. you could just go, you know, if you really want something, just go on there and get it, you know, more sooner than later. And then you don't have to resort to the flippers. It's, it's a good tip. People ask me like, Oh, you know, sometimes, you know, there's labels like criterion where it's like people don't buy until there's a sale, right? Everyone buys at the 50% off sale. It's like, they should probably just sell their stuff 50% off all year round. They'd sell more, but it's like for this stuff, I tell people, they're like, well, like, you know, they're going to have a sale. And I'm like the stuff you want, if it's if it if you're lucky that it's still available during the sale, it's gonna be gone in five minutes. And more often than not, you're not gonna be able to get that slip cover. You'll still have the standard, you know, the the standard editions, but like you want that limited edition stuff. There's no waiting around for a sale with some of these labels and vinegar syndrome and the, the partner labels. That's one example. Like go get what you want and go buy it. It's it's gonna be gone. <laughs> it goes super fast in a lot of cases. Yeah, I think people are understanding that, you know, based on, you know, the kind of traffic we're seeing right now. Yeah, I've I've seen a ton of interest in the last couple of years. I feel like the interest in this this specific market, the boutique market, and, you know, it's the more obscure stuff that comes out. It's almost like people get more excited about it. A lot of it, people probably blind buying, too. But, you know, if you put together, it's it's the home video thing. You go in and you rent the VHS tape that has the crazy cover, and like the movie, the movie might not be the greatest movie in the world, but you're just like, I don't care. I need that one. That one's super cool, and you usually appreciate it for that. Um, so yeah, I, I love what you guys are doing. Huge, huge fan. I just ordered all the stuff that Vinegar Syndrome put out for uh, the Halfway to Black Friday. So that's all. That's all on the way. And I, I will say, I wanted to plug like the the rewards program that you guys just introduced mm-hmm. to on the vinegar syndrome side. Now can, I haven't tried to do this yet. Can you apply that to partner label purchases as well? Um, it works for anything on the, on the VS website. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cause this has been for me. Awesome. Like you get points now for everything you buy, but also, you know, you can, you can refer people. So with, with my audience, I'm like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to refer some people and get more people to vinegar syndrome. I might get a little, you know, take advantage of it myself there, but it's been, that's a great new program, which again, speaks to that collector mindset and getting people, you know, back and giving them a reason to, to buy from you guys direct too. Um, I thought that was super cool. So I just wanted to shout that out. Yeah. We also just really wanted to, you know, come up with some really fun, you know, kind of merch items, things that, or like unique rewards, you know, it's, I think mm-hmm. there's always, you know, there's a lot of people who do rewards programs and it's like, you know, you build up so many rewards, you get a discount or something right. like that. But to me, it's, you know, as somebody who's been in an archive and as a company that specializes in physical products, you know, it's, it's always been kind of fun to make weird physical items that people might not expect to get from a home video company. So yeah. there's, you know, a lot of the, the rewards are pretty wide ranging, which was something I was really happy that we kind of went with, which, you know, if you've, you've looked at, you know, we have some of the like different slip covers you can get. And yep. There's, you know, like, I love the big and, display stand. Yeah. Right. Right. The display stand. It's so Whether, cool. It's, I think it's fun and people seem to be responding really well to it. Yeah. No, you, you got, I mean, you gave me even more reason to come and buy the stuff when that came out. I was like, as if I needed another reason to go spend more money, but I've, yeah, you've had me on the site more than ever once that launched. So it's been a super cool program. Definitely recommend you guys all sign up for it and check it out. Um, but yeah, before, before I let you go, last question, last question, cause you are a collector. I'm curious what, what's some of the stuff that's come out recently? Um, you know, that's really gotten you excited, some recent pickups, things that maybe people don't know about that aren't as mainstream that you'd like to 
talk about. And it can certainly be, you know, from the partner labels or from vinegar syndrome, but, um, you know, you're a collector of everything, as you said. So I'm just curious what's kind of, uh, what's been coming in lately to your collection. Um, well, I'm probably not going to highlight vinegar syndrome because I was, That's I was feel, uh, a little weird about that unless it's like a, you know, we're hyping up a sale or something. <laughs> recently, I mean, a couple of days ago, I got in the second site release of Martin, which is, oh, yeah. been, you know, just dying for it to come out. I like, still can't believe it's real. You know, it's, I'm waiting uh, on mine. Still not here yet. It's just like you, you wait so long for some of this stuff. And then when it's in your hands, you're just like, you're in disbelief that it, <laughs> that it's real and that it like is what it is. And that it's yeah. this you know, brick that's devoted to this, this movie that you never thought was going to kind of get a release like that. Um, you know, I took part like a lot of people did in the Criterion Flash sale. So I was really excited about, um, you know, the Mildred Pierce 4K. Mm-hmm. I, I really love um, how... 4k and uh, hdr treats black and white films i think that's kind of like an unmined thing right now i'm I'm really excited that kino also announced uh, night of the hunter so i'm I'm happy that you know more people are taking a chance on doing that's such a good movie it's just i think the the 4k you know for color of course looks great and i think yeah there's you know a lot of discussion around like what hdr does for color and it, it does it, but I think there, you know, the, the conversation should also be what HDR does for black and white. So I'm very excited by, uh, you know, black and white movies coming out in 4k. Um, what else have I bought recently? Um, that was exciting. Uh, I mean, there's been, this year has been like crazy with box sets. So it has been the, um, with the, the magic myth and mutilation box from indicator is just, mm massive did you pick that up <laughs> i have not yet it's on my it's on my short list yeah that's that's a really incredible set you know i was talking before about you know like severin had done those andy milligan and al adamson sets um and you know a set for michael j murphy's films is it's like getting a blu-ray of a michael j murphy film already seemed you know like the kind of thing that just wouldn't happen but then to get a set of pretty much everything, it's just oh yeah, the their, their box sets are. I love their. I have their uh, the folk horror one was one that I really really enjoyed. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the folk horror, so I grabbed that from them. But yeah, it it's it is crazy the stuff we're getting. Um, yeah, it's just unreal to like see some <laughs> really these is. things come out. Did you grab the lighthouse, the A24 4K? Because that's one I I just got that in. You were talking black and white, so that's what had me. I'm I'm curious. I haven't popped it in yet, but I'm very curious to see how that upgrades. It's it's newer, so I don't know if I'll be as excited, but still black and white. And you're right, HDR has huge benefits for that stuff. I don't think people people sleep on how good black and white movies look yeah. um, when they get brought to with an HDR grade. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it, we're just at that point right now where it's like, you know, the things that we never thought would get, like, home video releases at all are coming out, and they're just these releases that kind of go above and beyond. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think of, oh, one that I was really excited about this year was um, Arbalos, who's a company I've, I've liked for a long time. Um, they just put out a set of Nina Menkes' films called Cinematic Sorcerers. So that's like a really, it's a really great set and it's a bunch of movies and the price on it's really low. So I think that's one where, you know, if people haven't heard of her films. I think that's one that's really worth taking a look at. And like, I think I brought up the the Lucas Moodyson set from yep. Arrow before. That's, I think like an indispensable package. Like that's something I've been really excited about. And, um, you know, we talked about the major studios and I, you brought up Paramount Presents before, and yeah. I really liked what Paramount Presents have been doing, but one that was like a total curveball that I never thought, you know, was going to get a good release at all, let alone, you know, from kind of a major studio imprint, was they put out a Blu-ray finally of Just Another Girl on the IRT, mm-hmm. which is like a really small, you know, it's like an independent film. It was it was through Miramax back in, yeah. in the 90s, and they put that out on a Blu-ray, and I just never... You know, never saw that coming. And I think that's a, a really great disc that people should pick out. Yeah, no, they, they have been, they really have been, uh, I just got the red eye 4k, oh, yeah, which also that. I was very excited about another movie that like, I would have just been happy with like 
a nice release, but they found like new and Justin beam did the special feature. So I've talked on the podcast and he, they found like new West Craven interviews that hadn't been seen before a new four kicker. I was just like, this is not a movie you'd ever, yeah, ever yeah. expect to get a nice 4k package for, but like, I'm so yeah. happy that it exists. So had to have that one. Yeah. There's just, there are so many people doing so much. So, you know, you have to, <laughs> I always tell people be smart, budget, be smart, you know, pick, you can't buy everything. So really, you know, buy what you love. It's, it's really, it, it's so it's hard because really there is so much. I know it's like an embarrassment of riches. Like every, it is. And now the, um, I know there's the newest Mondo Macabro batch is shipping now. And I'm like, oh, really? see the, the Dr. Caligari 4k. Like I just can't wait. And I actually just, I just got a, a, sh- a notification that my copy of um, Drowning by Numbers from Severin, speaking of titles I never, ever thought would get a 4K release. Yeah, Drowning, the Peter Greenaway movie, Drowning by Numbers, that just arrived today. So I'm I'm really excited to check that out. So the ca- Caligari, the original's getting a 4K from? Uh, well, that that did get a 4K, I believe, from Eureka, but Dr. Yeah. Caligari, the 80s movie, got okay. a 4K from Mondo Macabro. But I'm pretty sure Cabinet of Dr. Caligari got a 4K. It, from it, well, that's what I was going to ask, because I have one that's importing right now that I'm waiting for. Like I'm like, when is it going to get here? Some of this stuff takes forever when you import it, as yeah. as you know. So I was like, oh, I thought I missed something and that there was there was one that was going to be easier to get. No, but that's cool, too, that the, the 80s version, the that's awesome. The, yeah, there's just so much. I mean, how do you, I don't know. We, we all need to, we all need to make more money so that we can buy more discs. That's what it comes down to. Like, yeah, I mean, let's I'm, just. I'm in the industry and I can't keep up. Like, just, <laughs> I end up like forgetting that things came out. Like, it'll be, you know, a sale will come around. I'm like, wait, that already came out? Like, it's just. Yeah, it's just so much. It's like every week there's just like a flood of of new releases. Yeah, that's why I started adding a new podcast episode every Tuesday where I'm trying to highlight like just stuff that came out. It's as much for people who are watching and listening as it is for me to just make sure that I'm not missing anything. Like there's just it's just so much. It is an embarrassment of riches, but it's a good time to be in this world. I mean, as everyone tells us, it's shrinking, dying. They don't see this side of it, you know when you know, Forbes writes an article or whoever, and they're like, it's dead. And they don't, they don't see this side of it where it really is thriving. Um, and there's just so many passionate people involved. So yeah, I appreciate you, you know, taking the time and talking about this. I, again, learned a lot. Every time I talk to somebody in this, in the world, I, in this industry, I, I learn more and hopefully get better at what I do and more knowledgeable. So I appreciate you taking the time and spreading the word and those partner labels good luck with all of it they've been doing some incredible work so keep it up excited to see what these these new titles are on the first and what this new secret label is in may you got me really you teased that very well you've got me interested so i hope everyone listening is interested but sounds like a lot of great stuff so where can uh you know where can people stay up to date with everything that's going on um, I mean, for Vinegar Syndrome, I mean, I just follow all of the, the Vinegar Syndrome channels. We have uh, OCN Distribution on Twitter and Instagram as well. And then if you want to follow me, I'm very easy to find. I'm on pretty much every social media platform. I'm extremely active on Letterboxd. Um, yeah, we're all very easy to find. Cool. Hey, that is a good thing. Accessibility is what we need more of can't make this stuff too hard to find it's hard to find as it is so yeah everyone go check that stuff out should be a big next few months and uh, i'm super excited so thank you all right everyone so that's our interview with justin he was great and i hope you guys enjoyed that i'm two for two with the guys from vinegar syndrome and their their sister companies right i mean oscar was great who we had on a couple weeks back now justin uh really just super knowledgeable passionate guys who understand the importance of physical media for preservation purposes and entertainment purposes. And they're just, they're collectors. They, they just love this stuff and you can tell it, it shines through in all the work that that vinegar syndrome is doing. And that's why I love the vinegar syndrome business model. I love what they're doing with their site. Their rewards program is great. I actually am a, a lucky new rewards redemption owner of one of their skateboard decks, which I'm going to be displaying uh, in my collection, which is super cool. But everything they're doing just caters to the collection 
collector and Justin is a collector and you, you can just tell like they get it. So hope you guys enjoyed this. As we mentioned, you know, you can check out Justin. He's on Twitter and on Instagram. All those links will be in the description. And of course, just go to vinegarsyndrome.com where you can purchase all of the different Vinegar Syndrome releases. You can also purchase from their partner labels and you can use my code in the description, or I should say my link in the description to get $5 off your first order if you want to try them out. So sign up for the rewards program, get a $5 coupon courtesy of me that helps support me as well, which I appreciate. I really just get more rewards points. I don't get any money or anything for it, but you know what? I use those rewards points for sure. I love vinegar syndrome. So I appreciate that support, but go support them. Go check out their releases. They've had some incredible stuff recently and the partner labels and vinegar syndrome all together, like the crazy amount of releases they're putting out. It's just super, super impressive the rate that they can get this stuff out the door. So go support them. All those links will be in the description but if you want to make sure you're up to date on all the latest from films at home make sure you're following on spotify apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcasts and of course make sure you're subscribed on youtube if you want the video version of all of these podcasts i appreciate the support there and you can also find me on social media all those links are down below as well so thank you for listening thank you for watching i hope you guys have a great rest of your day stay safe and stay healthy out there and i will talk to you all soon coming soon Be sure to subscribe to the Films at Home podcast using your favorite app so you don't miss another episode. And while you're there, don't forget to rate and review this podcast, which helps us out tremendously. You can also help support us by watching our short-form content over on YouTube and TikTok by searching Films at Home. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at films underscore at underscore home. The intro and outro were created by Elon Osborne. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.